Welcome to Howden's podcast, Fortune Favors the Brave. We all take risks in our everyday life and business is no different. In this podcast, we're speaking to the experts about a topical challenge or issue and what business leaders can do to overcome it. Well, thank you very much for joining us here today. I'm Sam Vardy and I help lead the legal, technical and claims team within Howden with a particular focus on financial lines policies like DNO and PI, which we'll be talking about a little bit today. I'm very pleased to be joined by Adam Craggs, a partner at the law firm RPC, who heads up RPC's tax and financial crime team. We're here today to talk about dawn raids, and in particular, an app that RPC have developed to help with a company's response. So hello, Adam, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me, Sam. So before we kick off the podcast proper, Adam, we always like to ask the same question. The subject of the podcast is Fortune Favours the Brave. So I wonder if you could tell us about a time that you've taken a risk and whether it paid off or not. Yes, I was in a previous life employed by the Eldon and Revenue, now HMRC. I'd been there for 16, coming on to 17 years thought I was probably a lifer and would be there until I was 60 when I had received my gold-plated pension. I got a call out of the blue from a former uh, colleague who was in private practice who asked me if I fancied a coffee and one thing led to another and he said, do you fancy coming over to the the other side as it were? And um, I didn't take too long to decide and I'm glad to say I've got no regrets. The rest is history as they say. Great And, and I suppose here we are today but for that decision. Indeed, absolutely. Thank you. So, so Adam, um, a dawn raid, I wonder if you could start by telling us what exactly a, a dawn raid is. Yes, it doesn't necessarily have to take place at dawn. I have actually been asked that by people in the past. If, if, if it's not dawn, then are we safe? There won't be a dawn raid. It normally takes place at six, six or seven o'clock in the morning by uh, a regulator. There are numerous regulators who carry out raids, SFO, HMRC, etc., just to name two. It will always be with judicial authorization. So there'll be a warrant that's been obtained in advance by the court. It's without notice, obviously. So the person who's targeted in the raid will, will not know it's coming. The first they will be aware of is, is the knock at the door and um, a lot of commotion and noise, etc. Right. OK. And so what reasons might a company be targeted for a raid? Normally, the regulator is after evidence of fraud and they fear that it might be either destroyed, disposed of, or there might be tipping off concerns. So that, that's normally the motivation that the regulator will have. The target, interestingly, isn't always the actual suspect. So a lot of clients will say, well, obviously, we we're, we're, we're very above board and there's no dishonesty or criminal activity here. And that's absolutely right, but they may actually have a client or be associated with a third party who is the target and they will themselves be caught up in the raid. So the vast majority of my clients aren't actually the the target, but they are a professional services business, whether it be accountancy firm, law firm, uh, wealth managers, etc. And they will find themselves on the receiving end of a search warrant. I see, I see. And so I think we probably all have a uh, romanticised idea about what a dawn raid might look like. As you say, you've, you've been asked before whether they all take place at, at dawn. And certainly in, in my mind, I can imagine people abseiling down buildings and flying through windows and, uh, and everything else. You're probably going to tell me it's not quite as dramatic as that. But what does the dawn raid day look like? How, how does it shape up? 
it's it, not quite people abseiling down the side of buildings, but there, there is an awful lot of adrenaline. The, the investigators themselves are very pumped up because they're, they're there early in the morning. Uh, they might be accompanied with, by police officers. Um, that, that's often the case. And I had a case recently where uh, the, the police accompanied HMRC and they, they had their, their German Shepherd dogs, which were barking, causing a lot of commotion, etc. But the, the, the target, the, it was a residential property, a director of a business, he actually had a number of very large, specially trained Rottweiler dogs, which were bigger than the uh, German Shepherds. So there was a bit of a standoff and uh, agreement was reached that the police would put their dogs back in their van and the client would lock his guard dogs up and then the search could continue. So there is, there's a certain amount of excitement. We did have one case where the uh, regulator turned up and it, again, it was at a private residence. They normally raid private residences and business premises at the same time simultaneously. And there was electric gates and a long drive, et cetera. And they rang the buzzer and the, the housekeeper said, yes, I'll, I'll come, come and let you in. But obviously it was six in the morning, so she needed to you know, get dressed and so on. And they weren't prepared to wait the five minutes it would have taken. So they decided to drive their car through the gates, obviously been watching too many Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. And they were fortunate they didn't kill themselves or seriously injure themselves because this was a very small Ford saloon car. It wasn't a Land Rover Defender or Range Rover, et cetera. But again, it just demonstrates when the adrenaline's pumping through the regulators. And I think they can sometimes uh, overreact as they did in that that particular instance. Yeah, so I suppose people have to be prepared for that. And it's sort of interesting to to think about the logistics of, of the day. I mean, for example... Um, in our building and, and in a lot of the clients' buildings, you have multi-occupancy firms in, in there. And presumably the people that the regulators first see, the security staff often aren't even employed by the company. So I'm interested to know how that how that works. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, Sam. I, I think that's why it's it's crucial that, that, in my view, all businesses have a dawn raid plan because if you don't have call tree, for example, then as you say, that the first people who will meet the regulator will will either be uh, external contracted security guards or, or perhaps uh, receptionists who, again, may, may not be employed by the business. And they need to know at the very least who they should call because they will have to let the regulators in. They can use reasonable force. They, they can, as, as I've just mentioned, they can batter down doors and gates and so on if they're not permitted entry into the building. So everyone at the very least needs to have, if nothing else, a laminated sheet, which will say if a regulator turns up at six o'clock in the morning, these are the people who you should call. And and obviously you need more than one contact point because people might be on holiday or or away and so on and so forth. And that needs to be kept uh, bang up to date. Right. Um, So that's probably a good time to talk about um, the app that RPC have developed and how that can help people deal with these situations? Yes. So we, me and, and the team, we, we, we've been doing this for a long time and we thought it would be quite a good idea to create an app which would assist people. So prior to the app's development, what would normally happen typically is somebody would be raided and they would call their, their usual trusted advisor. And that might be an M&A lawyer, for example, who would know absolutely nothing about dawn raids and what, what should be done. And eventually we would get the call at sort of mid-morning, 10, 11 o'clock, 
and the regulator had already been in the building for four or five hours. And that's really where a lot of the damage is done because if you're not there to make sure that legally privileged material isn't seized, if, you, if you're not there to make sure that only the material that's referred to in the warrant is seized, then they can take more than they're entitled to. People are often arrested. And then if, again, if they haven't got lawyers present who, who know what they are doing and are expert in this area, they, they may answer some of the questions because the natural inclination is for people who are innocent to, to provide an explanation, but they won't know the answers to all of the questions. I can guarantee that because fraud is complex by, by definition. And so a lot of the damage was caused in, in those opening hours when no one really knew what was going on. And it, I often refer to it as sort of rabbit and headlights type situation. So we developed the app so that in it's, it's free to, to be downloaded by anyone who's interested in it. It has a panic button, for want of a, a better phrase, which is rather like a, a fire alarm button. So if a regulator does turn up, you can press that and you're immediately put through to a 24-7 helpline they will then contact rpc and the relevant people will will spring into action there's a checklist of what should and shouldn't be done there'll be a sort of business continuity type plan it's important that the organization knows who they can actually contact and give instructions because the directors or senior management may well be arrested and they'll, they'll be carted off to the, the nearest police station to be interviewed under caution so you need to have sort of waterfall in terms of the chain of command because it's it's crucial that somebody's in control and in, in issuing instructions. There's also a technical feature which can't be altered, which can record what, what's happening. And the reason that's important is often after a search has been executed, it can be challenged legally by, by way of judicial review. And this is, we found, very useful in terms of, of evidence in legal proceedings. So it's all geared really towards making the process as, as, as manageable as possible, pain-free, minimum business disruption, and then crucially for the, for the client, it's important that, as, as I've mentioned, they, for example, don't say things or give half answers to questions when, when they've been arrested and they're being interviewed under caution. So there's probably a, a few questions that I, I have coming out of that. Just be interested to hear a bit more about the record function so that is that like taking photographs of of evidence that's being given writing down what questions have been asked and answered that sort of thing yeah it's it, they're, they're the sorts of features that are included so one of the first things that we would uh, advise a business that is being raided to do is, is to take a photograph of the warrant itself that's that's crucial so that will be offered by the regulator concerned and that can be uploaded, sent to us, and then we can look at that to make sure that all of the I's have been dotted and the T's crossed. What often happens is you'd be surprised how frequently the wrong address is raided because the, the regulator hasn't done the, their homework as well as they ought to, or the entity is incorrect. So it might be X Holdings Limited, and they've raided X Group limited and these sorts of technical issues are very important because the, the warrant is only relevant to a specific entity or entities. So that would be the very first thing that we would check and if necessary we can we can bring the, the raid to a halt or as we have done in the past apply to the court for an emergency injunction if the regulator is not prepared to stop stop the raid voluntarily. So the app allows whoever is dealing with it on the ground to to address all that as, as best they can and presumably then RPC, depending on where it is in the country, will arrive as soon as possible to, 
to sit alongside and, and give that advice is that is that the idea that, that's the the idea and again that's why timing's crucial because if if we get the call at 10 30 11 o'clock in the morning the, the the regulators will be halfway through the the actual execution of the the warrant if we get the call at six o'clock or seven o'clock then what we would normally do is we will contact the regulators find out who the officer in 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 charge is and then we will say to them look we're on our way we've we've, we've been called will you wait until we get there and i've never had a, a refusal they don't have to agree to that they are entitled to continue the, the raid but they they without exception have always agreed that they will hold off until we get there if we get the call at 10 or 11 o'clock it's too late then they've, they've already started no i can see i can see that that would be helpful absolutely so you're also talking about implementing the plan for the day through the app. And is that something that you develop with the client or something that you have as a kind of RPC standard or work on what they have already? Or how, how does that all work? It, it varies. So some clients who take this very seriously, as they, as they should do, they, they treat it very much as they would a business continuity type plan or, or a fire alarm plan. So they have a very detailed plan in place and, and we can offer training as well. We're happy to come in and, and explain to people what should be done. As a fair minimum, if people don't want to go into that depth, then there is a checklist of what should be done. So for example, you should appoint people who are called shadowers who will walk around with each investigator. There'll, there'll be a, a team of investigators who will turn up. Uh, numbers vary, but, but certainly they could easily be 10, 20, 30. And they should be accompanied at all times and a note made of what they look at and, 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 and where they go and so on and so forth. So it's those sorts of things that, that are included on, on the app. The other thing is if, if people want to record perhaps the personal health details of the directors. We, we've had one case where, where a direct director had some serious health issues. No one was aware of that. The investigators weren't. They arrested him, took him off to interview him under caution. And there's some serious consequences because, as you can imagine, a very stressful situation. Emergency services had to be called. If someone has fully you know, embraced the app and fed in that sort of information, which is voluntary, it doesn't, and it, it, it's all confidential, the RPC don't see any of it, then it means we can actually say to the investigator, the person you've arrested has some serious health issues, whether it be heart-related, whatever, diabetic, and that has to be taken into consideration. So there's all sorts of bells and whistles um, of that nature. So this is an insurance podcast after all, so I probably have to talk a little bit about insurance at some point, and it's an interesting issue from an insurance perspective in that cover for this type of thing is it sits at what we'd call a, a coverage boundary. So it's, it will be covered in some policies, but not all. So listeners to this, you'll need to uh, have a look at your policy and, and think about things a little bit more and speak to your, your broker contact. But as a general rule, directors and officers policy will cover things like raids and will cover the costs of the directors. But I think, Adam, here, most of the costs would probably be directed at the company. Some of the directors, is that is that how you would see it playing out? I think generally that, 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 that that's the case. We, we often find that uh, the regulator will be interested in the guiding minds of the business. So certainly the directors, uh, not so much senior management, but the directors themselves will normally 
Uh, well, one of our functions is to ensure they're not arrested on the day because that can have all sorts of practical difficulties, but they'll certainly be interviewed under caution and that's when they need to be accompanied by expert lawyers uh, in, that, in that area. And I tend to find in practice, as you have alluded to, that they, there's either DNO cover or then the, the, the company itself will normally pick up the, the legal fees and professional fees that are incurred by, by its directors in, in, in dealing with a raid. Yeah. So those costs, if they are incurred by directors or on behalf of directors, could both fall to a DNO policy. And then there's the question of the company's own costs in dealing with the raid. So it's it's not for the director; it's for for itself. And there may be cover under civil liability policies. I think traditionally we think of professional indemnity as being quite narrow and responding to negligence type claims, but actually a lot of policies have expanded over time to cover investigations for the entity. And that might include raids. Uh, They can be called different things in policies. They can be called raids, on-site visits. You have critical regulatory costs, pre-investigation. There are all sorts of terms thrown around and the the insurance market is is no stranger to to using jargon to try and confuse everyone. But um, certainly the the key words that you're looking for are raid and on-site visit, that sort of thing from from that perspective. It does raise interesting questions of consent, of course, as I'm sure people will know pretty much all of the time you need to obtain insurer consent before incurring costs. Now, that's obviously something that is very difficult when you're getting your door knocked down at, at six in the morning. I don't know if you have any any experience of of that, I can certainly talk about it from from my perspective. Yeah, I think uh, you, you're right. On, on the day, um, one just has to spring in, into action, and we then have to carry out things like conflict checks and all of the usual processes that you would do with any client in terms of the onboarding process. But you can't sort of sit in the office and say, "Well, we'll we'll carry out that over the next few hours, and then we'll we'll come and and help you." So inevitably, in that sort of situation. You just have to go to the client and help them out and you, you sort out the, the sort of the, the regulatory side of things. In my experience on, on the insurance side, most of the insurance um, industry is very understanding and, and they respond quickly because they appreciate time is of the essence, etc. And I, I haven't actually experienced any real issues. I think there was one accountancy firm we acted for. It was a national um, firm and, and I, I think... The individual partners were covered under their DNO policy, but then there was an issue about the, the partnerships, um, fees, etc., and that that was eventually resolved uh, to everyone's satisfaction. But I think probably the message is, really, it's worth um, having a look at your policy and making sure it covers everything that you might you want it to cover, uh, so that there, there aren't any any issues or discussions that have to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding the coverage and the extent of it is is crucial, I, I agree. And if you are subject to a raid, letting us know so we can speak to insurers as, as soon as possible, just managing that process. Because there are provisions in the policy like emergency costs, where you can incur costs up to a certain amount without obtaining consent where it's not possible. And in this sort of situation, we'd certainly argue that it's not possible to obtain consent. So certainly something to to manage with insurers. And the sooner you can let them know, I think the easier that discussion is going to be. So, Adam, in terms of obtaining the app, what is it that companies need to do to be able to take advantage of that? Yeah, as I say, it's a free app. So, you know, lots of people say to me when I 
talk to them about this. Uh, it is a bit of a no-brainer. Why, why wouldn't you have it um, along with all of the other apps on your, your phone? Statistically, you're not likely to be raided, obviously, just as your house is not likely to be burnt down, but we all have insurance. The raids are going up. There's 1,500 uh, is the latest figures. So you know, if you divide that by sort of 52, you, you get a, a rough 30 raids a week. So it, it is something that does um, take place and is increasing. It can be downloaded from the Apple Store or Google Play in the, in the usual way. And as I say, most people will never have to use it, but it's quite reassuring to have it there just in case the unthinkable should happen. And I should say as well that Howden is planning on hosting a link to the app on its website. You'll need a particular link to get access to that virus, but if you speak to your usual Howden contact, they should be able to provide you with that and also be able to provide you with guidance on the coverage that you do have in your policy. So with that, I'll just say thanks everyone for listening today and thanks very much, Adam, for coming in and talking to us about Dawn Raids and the app. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fortune Favours the Brave from Howden. To hear more episodes and subscribe to our channel, search Fortune Favours the Brave on your favourite podcast app.